I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A grain of rice. A grain of rice. If I just tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show us. Then we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. How are you all doing in lockdown land? Slight restriction uh, lift off this week, so hoping you're all uh, abiding by the rules, but yet uh, enjoying the extra bit of space. We're back to you here on Wednesday afternoon. Delighted uh, today to to go up to the northern corner of our country, all the way up to Cushendal, uh, to be joined by uh, the great turn Sambo McNaughton. Uh, Sambo, how are you all doing up there? Are you getting the sunshine? Yes. Cloudy here today, but April's been brilliant out there, but it's cloudy, but it's warm. And there's a bit of mist about right over the sea and towards Scotland still. Maybe it'd be afternoon and the sun might break out. And have you have you have you dipped your toes in the Irish Sea yet? Yeah, believe it or not, I have. I've been out uh, a couple of times now. It's very cold. Uh, that's the uh, original ice bath, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I made my debut there last Saturday week back in Dunbeg. Into the Atlantic now, mind you, mind you, which is way colder, obviously. Oh, I yeah. say that <laughs> to the Dublin lads, you know. <laughs> this is only bath water, this Irish Sea. But uh, in actual fact, I think the stats show that the Irish Sea is colder. I wouldn't be a bit cheaper in person, though. I live 50 yards from it, but uh, I haven't been in it too often now down through the years. I presume the boys would go in, would they? Oh yeah, there and we our pitch is very close to the sea, so any time you're doing a hard session, they always walk down and go into the sea. Like, uh, like I say, it's the uh, original ice bath. We've been doing that for years. Like, yeah, it's uh, Neil 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 McManus, who I spent a great few days in uh, in Texas with on an All Star trip a few years back. It was telling me that, but same as that when I used to train Kilmiley down in Kerry. We were very near Banner Strand, you know, maybe mile and a half. So we'd, we'd whip into the cars and over there. Jesus, not yeah. like it. We would just walk down like it's only 50 yeah. yards or so. So yeah. not there. But uh, it's always a bit of crack and it's a good team bond thing and everything. Like it's, the young lads seem to get their egos up and get in deeper and deeper and not there. But I'm glad I packed it in before all that started. <laughs> is, is there not any of them brave enough to catch you and chuck you in like? and come here just on that like and all things local and 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 do you think the pitches should be opened up or you know what what about the ga stance on that it's a long time isn't it the 20th of july like jesus yeah i think it should be opened up for brothers and things like that i think the majority of people have been responsible enough and not there like guys can social distance like we would have i think uh 12 sets of Brothers in our pound, there's nothing to stop them going out and eating and to talk about their living together. Like, I have two sons here that, you know, can go out and do a couple of drills in their own or talk about for their own mental health, really. Like, if two guys are one end of the field, another two at the other end of the field, be sensible about it, they should be out. Yeah, I think some of the scaremongering, like, I'd be inclined to agree with you totally you now. I, I just think I passed up through my own village now. I live I live 20 miles west of where I'm from in Clarecastle now with, we're out the west now. We're near enough to the Atlantic, which has its advantages as well. But um, passed up through the village last night, and there was loads of lads around the, the, the fair green, as we call it, in the village, and and uh, you know licking cones near the church and that. I was saying, geez, it's not as if there's going to be four hundred in the field all of a sudden, like, and we have about four fields as well, like. Well, I think G clubs in the community come from people are being responsible, like. You have to give, like, nobody wants to bring anything home or do anything reckless for their own community or their own family. And people are well aware of what needs to be done and social distancing out there. And obviously, there's going to be the other one here and there, maybe does the wrong thing. But I think the vast, vast majority of GA people understand what we're doing, what we're in. And we are part of the community, like, so we're looking after ourselves, our family, our community. And I think 
common sense. Yeah, and just before we go back to the hurling tower, like I'm involved kind of in the Clare community response uh, to the COVID thing down here on a county county basis. You know, um, would the GA clubs up there have been instrumental in 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 that sort of end of it up there? Or what way is it working up there? Yeah, every every GA club, as far as I can see, is doing something to raise money, food parcels as usual. Our own lads there, we were doing things for our own community and our lads got together and they bought food parcels for the NH staff of the area and all that sort of stuff. The same as every GA club in the country, we're all out of it. Yeah, what, what I would have found as well is like, initially, I was late getting involved in the clear one and there was a lot set up and initially there was a bit of a, maybe resistance that I was trying to come in with a special GA one, but I wasn't and they all soon discovered that. And But then once I was in there and working, Jesus, the amount of GA clubs that are, that are doing the work, like, you know, even the parish we're living in now, local club is a football club, Shannon Gales, and they're just Shannon Gales for the whole parish, you know, and it's a big parish, it's about seven miles, so the GA have been, have been top. Aaron Grafton took charge of ours and got all the young fellas involved, the younger members of the team, and the whole club was out of it. And um, come here, I don't know if you, you saw RTE the other night, Clareburn Live was on about the social distancing, if the pubs reopen, how's the Lurig Bar going to fare out? I don't know, Andre. Uh, you and I have been around bars all our lives. And, uh, I think these people are coming up with these rules. They never really ran an Irish bar. And, you know, like, you know, that, uh, I just can't see it working. I don't think, like, nobody goes to the bar to be social distancing. And no. it's probably all the same. If you get in there with your wife or your mates or something, too, you can mingle about the crowd and, mingle about the bar and that's what the crack's about and Irish bars is about the crack and the social end of it and that there like very few people actually go to the bar for a drink if you if it was all about drink you'd sit in the garage like and drink yourself like you know it's like yeah, yeah. you and I both know like, like you would I've worked behind a bar for 25 years now and that there and you just have to drop one like walk up to a group and do you not think JJ was the best defender ever and you can guarantee nobody's going to agree with you like somebody will say something else and you can bet your life on it the third person that gets involved they're not going to agree with either of the two so. you can imagine like if we get the GA back later on in the year and you you know it goes back maybe with club and, and you beat Lock Eel in a, a county semi-final that you'll be able to social distance in your place that night? No, it wouldn't be possible. <laughs> I've seen a video there of how it's going to work. There was put up there a bar in Dublin with four people sitting in it. And that's not what the Irish bar's about. You'd be better yeah. closing your... Nobody would be interested in going to it. I know I wouldn't, don't I? Yeah, I've my, I've my place looking down at me out over the out, out, out my side window here, looking down at it empty and sad and all mm. that goes with it. But sure, look, we, we'll just have to see what way it pans out. I think, you know, we're getting the figures down, so... Hopefully, hopefully, you never know. I think it's a, it's a kind of a fluid situation, isn't it? That we no one can say. Like I don't agree with all the people who are saying call off the the, the season now because who's to shag and say in nine or ten weeks' time? You know, we might have no cases whatsoever in Ireland, and and you know it might yeah. be possible to go back. So while there's yeah. hope there, I don't think we should kill it. No, I think you need hope in life. You need something to look forward to in life, and out there, and like even myself, I built six bedrooms above the bar. And just got it finished the week before it all closed down, and not one person stayed on it, and you know, and they sat there. But and it's just the same type of thing. It's like you need something to look forward to. You need to be going. Like young fellas need something to do. Like, like I know I'm missing it. Like, and but you know, if I was playing now, like it's all about the game. Like people need to be watching the game. Like you'd walk fifty miles now to see a junior B match that you wouldn't have put your eyes on. Like. You go out in the summer's evening and go walk around the beach, cliff path or something, come back, and you would time your walk to come back so at the under-12 match would be starting. And you would sit and you'd analyse the under-12s, who's going to make it and who's not going to make it, and what are you thinking? And the same, that's that's what we need, like, that's what we miss, like, that's what I miss, you know. Yeah, that's that's part of our life, and, and watch your under-12 match and back to the bar and run the bar for the night. And yeah. Did you see any upcoming stars down there tonight and that kind of thing? Isn't it? Fuck it, it's... It's a it's a weird way of life, um, and sure look, Sambo, those fourteen e McNaughtons, that's the fair going. Was the television broke down or what? Yeah, ah, just traditional Irish family looking out there. But uh, my wife, I married into a family. My wife's got eleven brothers and nine sisters, no twins. So uh, if I ran for a election here, I'd have a good chance of getting in. <laughs> Just for family members. 
and siblings yeah. and, and uh, sons and daughters out that are able to vote and everything. Jesus, yeah, that's it. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same here now. I, I came out of a terrace of houses like uh, there was one family of 14 like that and, and another of 12 and, and uh, there was nobody less than seven. And you know what? It went a long way towards making the club, you know, oh, yeah. sets of brothers and, and that. Like, you know, um, and that's what we found as well that we had a kind of a famine from 1970 to 86. And, and then you had a load of brothers on, on the 86, 87 team. They won back to back. And it's a massive, yeah. massive help, isn't it? Ah, yeah. When I started off hurling the club here, the backbone of the club was made up of the three families, like, you know, and not there. And there was God sprinkling through and that. There are McNaughton's and McKeegan's and that there and themselves. And then the Winnipeg, the guy, the tears, people that got there. But it was all big families, all tradition and even... You know, but I see more so now, like, you know, like we had six boys, five of us hurled, you know, now you're a big family, like it's two boys, maybe if you're lucky, and one might hurl and time changes. And there's names now like McManus and Graf and people like that there that, you know, were never traditional cushioned all names, but they're yeah. good stories for the club now. Like it's the same every GA club in Ireland. Like I remember watching the, uh, the Donnellys of Valley Castle and the Connellys of Castle Gar and Galway and all are in club final. Like, and I think there were seven brothers in one team and six in the other, like, you know, things like that. It's amazing. And just staying with the club, I suppose, but I, I just doing my bit of research last day or so, like, you didn't make a breakthrough late he won. Like, I found that, you know, I, you know what I mean? Like, in my time, I suppose, I, I was born in 69, let's say, so, you know, I, I, can go back maybe to the Clarecastle teams of 77, 78, the beating of the county final. And, but, but they had won, they had a great period in the 40s where they won three and, you know, lost a load of finals in the 60s and then eventually got one in 70 and we had another bit of a famine to 86. But I couldn't believe like that you didn't make a break till 81 or why, why, why was that not a... Well, the, when I, my first memory of Cushing Dahl was playing a team from Belfast called Gilala and a junior championship final and that was way back that club no longer exists but here's a fact when I started to play hurling when I first went on a senior panel nearly when I was 16 that was my first year on the team so uh, I, I was lucky I thought you know, no big deal we won county titles every year because they came along but when I started the Noy or Coach Dahl hadn't any county titles the Noy hadn't any other so and now I think we have 14, the line of 13 or something like that there, something around them lines. Like probably them two clubs, but Lockheed is the one club that uh, went on to one, two all-iron clubs. But it was just a group of boys coming along after this family, you know, like McNaughton's and McKeegan's, and, you know, myself and my brothers and that there, and different ones. It's just a group of people come along. And there was a guy, Brian Thompson, was a PE manager, and... He, him and Kieran Kearney and Archie McKeegan, three old guys got together. And then there was, before that, there was a guy, Dan Kenny, kind of brought about a professionalism to it and all this. And it just developed in that there. But thankfully, from then to now, we've been contenders every year. Like, like success for us is winning the county title. And if we don't want it, it's a bad year and that sort of way. And, you know, yeah. But in a week, the guy played 23 years or something. And every year ended in failure. You know, like, I know. you know, you won the county tell you're great, you won the boss, you're great, and then you get popped in a all Ireland semi final. You know, I never made the all Ireland club final like uh, my two sons did, but uh, and that's been thrown up a few times around the dinner. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think in all, I played in 13 semi finals and got beaten them all. Like, only for the county won an awfully like one year still still eight championship medals seven Ulster clubs I mean Jesus I, I, I do be clapping myself in the back with me five clear ones and one monster so it's fair going and but you look at you look at the likes of what Schlock Neil have achieved and nearly achieved it just mm. goes to show like if you're very well organised even yourselves in 16 obviously ran into a savage and a Pierce team in fairness like no I don't think there's been a club team come out of Limerick in, in a long, long time like them, you know. Um, it just goes to show what yeah. can be achieved. Stock Neil is a mad story, really, isn't it? Aye, Stock Neil's phenomenal. Like, and 
like uh, and for people to think that they're a group of footballers that play a hurling have totally got it wrong. Like last year against Ballyhill, they put up some show. They they nearly topped Ballyhill with a wee bit of luck and another break or two. That could have been a whole different story. Slough Neil last year played and you're some fantastic hurling and there's some outstanding hurlers like and Slough Neil's gonna be around for a year or two, like they're not going anywhere, like but it's it's just that thing if if you're ever in Slough Neil, it's one of them places there's nothing in it. Like it's yeah, you know, and their boogie team, like Woody, my friend, one uh the good soldier and and management, like he's looking after the Camogie team there, what they've done, like they've you know just get put the one four all earns in a row, or unbelievable. Like, and then the footballers, like it's it's phenomenal what they're happening over there, it really is. Yeah, like uh, I went up actually and coached him. Um, was led from Belfast, was training him. I think it was this was now maybe back around 15 or 16. And I couldn't believe I do. They just picked me up at some bar that they gave me directions out of Belfast, out the road, and I was able to find this bar and and they had to bring me up in these these boreens, if you like, up. And then I couldn't yeah. believe the setup. And also then as well, like, you know, if I was going up to you know, if I was going up to to Loch Eel or Dunlay, wherever, like, I'd be expecting, like, I'd know the standard. You know, what? Jesus, it's not too long yeah. since, since since Antrim were beating me Dublin team in Crowbark and. But then I couldn't, I couldn't believe how good they were. I knew that they were very strong in the football, but I, I took the session and I said, I'm yeah. going to set a savage tempo here now and you know, really say that like, you've got to get up here, lads. I think they were into the Ulster final, but lost it. Uh, maybe it was yourselves now, I don't know. But, geez, I couldn't believe the, the level of, of touch and pace for a Derry team. You know, you, that's the way you associate it county-wise, don't you? The problem I always find with Derry, like, and my generation after like the Derry team that won the football in '93, that was basically the Harden team as well. You no, know, there were maybe yeah. ten fellas on, and that was the problem. Like when we met them, like Kieran McKeever, people like that, there, the Downies, not there. They were all McGilligan was he, McGilligan was even a hurler, wasn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, McGilligan was arguably a better hurler than he was a footballer. Like Seamus Downey was a better hurler than he was a footballer. Like and Henry was a good hurler, and Tony Scullion, all them. Household names in football, like we used to run into them in Harden Field and that there. The McGurks, you know, Lavi and people like that there, they were outstanding hurlers. But I always find that, you know, like if we were training for six weeks at Bulk Pult and the Derry lads were doing 50% hurling, 50% football, well, realistically, we should have been better than them and catching up on them and that there. But there's no doubt if that Derry, if that Derry team of the early late nineties or the early nineties, late eighties, if they had a concentrated in Harden, they would have been a real rival too, you know. Where the down team that was against us and like we were going Dulster finals back then, Anthony, you'd maybe ten to twenty thousand out of massive crowds and that there and down beaters and that there. But the only problem is everybody in Antrim, we never get credit for one another because you put the cup in the corner, it was always with the semi final the next day. Where they would, they never won many Ulster, so they found a big achievement. It was a big achievement for Down to beat us. And we were always a scalp they wanted to beat, and that there were yeah. vice versa. It wasn't like nobody in Antrim ever gave you praise for one in Ulster. Like it was always the next level, and there's no doubt Derry produced some outstanding hurlers down through the year. Yeah, I, I, I remember McGilligan playing in a Railway Cup final that I played in in Crow Park uh, against against Ulster. I think it was '94. I think '94 '95. Jesus, he struck me. He was catching, but I remember him from the football, like, and the next thing, this guy was going, Scott, and how were you going to stop him catching the bloody ball? I said, to myself, I was inside corner back now, neatly tucked away. You know what I mean? I had to worry about him. <laughs> but uh, Jesus, I said, if this fella concentrated on hurling, like, just yeah. the, sheer, the sheer force of him, you know? Yeah. So I remember young fella going to play Ballycram and hurling. That's the down team. Mark and this guy, Greg Blinney. Saying, ah, oh, he's only a footballer, you know, I'll, you know, I'm a handy hurler. Five minutes into the game, Greg Trump into the ground about twice, walked over the top of me. And <laughs> you aren't a lesson that day to respect everybody you were meeting. Like, you know, the oh, yeah. same type of player, like just with a, went through a wall. Yeah, we, we had a great meet up, funny enough. Uh, it was around 93 or 4 with the Blaney brothers over in London. Yeah. There was a few lads from Clare Castle, myself and the Sparrow were in it. And 
you know, we were we had been in a couple of months of finals, but had taken a few beatings. But we eventually one word borrowed the other, and we found out, and we knew who Greg was, obviously. Do you know from the football, yeah. no helmets and that. So, geez, we struck up a friendship with them, and and uh, we. Yeah, I've been in Ballycran a couple of times since, and geez, they're, they're great hurling people up there as well, aren't they? Like, and, and, Big uh, club. Some of the hurlers come out of the Cuses and the Keiths and people like that there. They had some class hurlers too in Gaza later on in years and that there. But Noel Keith at his time was probably a Mario and one of the best goalkeepers ever in Ireland. Like, you know, he was something else. Like, Yeah, and I remember one, one the first time I went across the border to play a game, Sambo, would have been 89 actually. would have been do you know the way the, the three rounds of the league before Christmas? Yeah. Uh, and I, Davy Fitz actually would have played in the All Ireland minor final that you played yeah. in, in that. And, and uh, we went up to play down. We were we were one B or Division Two or whatever it was. And and you know and we talk we touch on it later on. But one of my biggest memories was was um going across the border and a young British soldier coming on and Sparrow says to me, "He's fucking younger than you." He says to me about the British soldier and I says. Not Lonzy younger than me, but he's younger than Davy Fitz. I says, you know, and that was one of the that was one of the shocks I got, you know, um, going up. And then we 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 stopped in Newton Ards for a few pucks on one of these Astro hockey fields. And then when we arrived in Ballygalgate to play the game, long journey now coming from Clare, obviously, and we had stayed in Dundalk the night before, which which broke it. But they said, did you stop anywhere, lads? I was only a sub, but did you stop anywhere for a few pucks? And uh, I says, yeah, to one fella, he was an official or whatever. Where'd you stop? I said, a place called Newton Ards, an Astro pitch. Jesus, he says, you were looking not to be shot, he says, with all these inside an Astro hockey pitch in, in Newton Ards. Yeah, oh, crazy. No, no, no. That would have been a very smart thing to do. <laughs> oh, Just to add to Newton Ards, Troy, about maybe three years ago, uh, one of my best friends in Holland is Kieran. Kingston, you know, and I said to Kieran, get me nice to come up to present medals to the kids. So he came up with a win of his mates, you know, they wanted to come to Cushion Doll for a night on a Friday night, present the medals, and the boys were going to go out with a win our ones up in Belfast. So they booked a hotel. I says, where are you staying? I says, uh, some place in Newton Arge, it's only outside Belfast. Well, we had to change the hotels for Cork guys. <laughs> I'm a car charges in Newton Arts. Wouldn't get down well, I'm <laughs> The Rebels. The Rebels in Newton Arts. Yeah. And Boy, just on your own time as well, it's huge club success with a couple of heartbreaking semi-finals as well and one to our own great uh, rivals and neighbours, uh, St. Joseph's Dora Bearfield. And I remember listening to it on Claire FM, would you believe? And uh, I remember you... Um, I'm not so sure I was really... Uh, hoping they'd destroy you the same day wouldn't have broken my heart maybe if they were caught you know the way the local yeah. rivals it's always a contentious one you kind of have to be seen to yeah. be yeah. Uh, I think I remember uh, I think Matthew McMahon was the commentator at the time and you were bearing down on goal I think Shani McMahon dragged you down and, yeah. and you went 12-11 ahead in into injury time and and, and uh, Jesus I, I, I had to find out who's, who scored the equaliser and so I rang Christy O'Connor, James's brother, who was in goal, obviously. And Chris, Christy said to me that uh, you, won't, you won't pick it out. So, and I knew their team. We met them every year for about 10 years. Such was the nature of the draw and Clare. We just kept meeting. Sometimes we avoided each other and we'd meet in the final. And then we'd yeah. meet in the first round and we'd meet in the semi. And we, kept, and we kept beating them for about five years. And then they kept beating us. And, of course, ultimately they won an Ireland club, which they have over us. We won a monster, but we didn't get over Borough. But he says, you try and name them out there who scored the equaliser. So I said, so obviously it wasn't Jamesy. It wasn't Andrew Whelan. I said, it wasn't Larkin Hassett. It wasn't Kieran O'Neill. So if it wasn't too obvious, who was it? Ah, he wouldn't have played in the forwards much, he said. So I, I just couldn't. And he's Fergal O'Sullivan, he said, and they I was shouting up the field. He's saying, what are you doing shooting from there? Until I saw the umpire running for the white flag. Such, yeah. such are the margins. No, I can actually mean that passage of play because I ran back to cover. The, the ball broke really in the corner. Like The guy could have held the corner flag. So I knew this guy's going to cross this ball. And I made a sprint to cut out the ball that I perceived he was going to cross it into the middle you know, to cut it out. Next thing he turns and shoots and think, ah, you know, like Owen Kelly wouldn't have shot from here. Like, like you know, DJ Kerry wouldn't have pulled this one off. And he literally could have held the corner flag and the thing was over the bar. And 
but ah, it's one of them thing I'd like. And then the club, there's so many sad stories. I go back to you know, you know Tony Dorn and John Fenton's Middleton team and all them there. Like I would say, uh, Napiercy and Middleton were the two clubs. If we were hurting to now, we wouldn't have beat them. They were just better. But everybody else, even the bird team that came up to play with Brian Whelan, you know, you know the the M teams and that there, we were always there, thereabouts, and knocking the door. And you come home with another sad story. Like I have so many sad stories over them years. But that one just broke my heart. Like even even after that, the, the ball came out and uh, it broke. And I think me and McMahon went up for it, and the ball broke. And one of our guys, if he had a picked it, you know one of them things, Victoria pick, and he three goes of picking it. If he had it up first, it was a score, and he had three goes of picking it, it closed down, and then the ref blew it up. Even them wee things, you always nearly getting beat by a point on is the worst a lot. But even uh, Della Salvo was unbelievable. I was, I wasn't, I was retired then, but me and Shane Ahern were doing real. And your man steps up to take this line ball and. Like, unless it was shot out of a gun, it wasn't big, high, loopy one. It just went vroom from about 70 yards out right between the post. And you think, oh, what a line ball. And Shiner turns to me and says, i never seen him even take a line ball before. It was, it was, you know? Brian, it was Brian the Bull feeling like a great, uh, probably, probably John Milan's best friend. He would, have been a, he would have been a fair hurler now. He would have played in that famous okay. monster final uh, against Cork in, in 04. The bull, the bull was a good wing back, but geez, it was. I remember the line ball, whether it was live, Sam, I'm not sure, or whether it was this highlight show on the news or something. But Jesus, he was back near the near the dressing rooms in in Parnell. Yeah, Parnell Park has been. I would literally take a tractor down and plant spuds in Parnell Park. I never had a good day in Parnell Park when Woody Me was over the minor team, and people asked you, "What's your most disappointment thing?" My most Disappointment ever was we were over the under minor team, and under minor teams traditionally get stuffed, you know, always 18, 20 points and out there. But we we were allowed to do it, we won them. So we were over the border 12 times, I think, and we were playing Limerick. We were two points up, time up, young fella shoots. If this ball goes over the bar, we won. If it goes wide, we won. The ball hit the top of the post about six inches from the very top. Falls into the square, a young fella kicks it into the net, the goalkeeper blocks it out, ref blows a whistle. The year after that, we played golly, Joe Canning's minor team, and Mullen Yar and Neil McManus and Joe Canning give one of the, you want to see these two cubs going at it, like, you know, oh, it was a joy to watch. The only time I ever seen it, uh, we could beat me two points a game, a young full forward hits a post on the right-hand side, it goes out for a lane ball on the left hand side. Never seen it before since, you know, and just them um, sad days. But Parnell Park has not been a happy hunting ground for me. I, I don't know the old guy's name. I opened up the change room and all. He says, Surely this is your day, Sambo. And me yeah. and him had this ongoing thing for years. And even uh, I was over St. Enders this year, you know, the intermediate team in Belfast. We went down to play, and as soon as I seen the venue, I said, no, and I, you don't want to say the players. I just, I cannot. Every time I see a venue, Parnell Park, and a game of matters, I just go, um, no, not Parnell. And there'd be a thing down here, somebody like you know that maybe Parnell was was a tough place to go to play the Ulster champions. And 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 I suppose there has been a few upsets there, you know, the Galway champions or or, or Munster Leinster champions. But I suppose yeah, it was a bit like us until we made the break with Torless. You know, we just, Horless was just such a graveyard for us. You know, we couldn't win there. because we couldn't yeah. really, really win anywhere in Munster. But in the day that we played uh, Brian Lohan and that, you know, the Parnell Park too, like, and that there, it just always seems to be Parnell Park, but, but it is what it is. Like, what do you do? Yeah, we, we, we must have came so close to, to meeting you because uh, Dora Bearfield would have beaten us in that semi final to get to meet you and Wolf Tones beat us in that final and we were raging raging hot favourites going into that 96 county final but of course the two Lohans uh, probably uh, were so influential that, <laughs> that was their first ever one winning yeah that was another that was another desperately close game yeah, yeah it was there's doctors my hips and but sure it's better to love than lost than never to love at all yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes you know I feel that's the wrong bit about it is, is that we start off the year, we go training in January, February to win the county final. 
you know, and try yeah. and make it 15 championships for Cushendale, like, yeah. and then you wind up fucking going home, crying into your pint, like, and that, that was always a bake of mine as well, you know, that even the one year we won Munster, we, we lost the Borough and torture, like, we didn't get to Crow Park, you know, so. Yeah, I played for 23 years and they all ended in failure. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but look, obviously, as soon as you started, Oriog, you started with Antrim nearly straight away. Yeah. Uh, at 16 years of age, playing uh, intercounty senior hurling, some fella didn't show up for for mass or something. Was that? Is there any truth in that story? Is there? Yeah, it was actually a club made of my own. Sean McNaughton, uh, Millie Patterson, and Gillian McElhatton were the team at the time, and Millie Patterson was Niall's father. Like, and back in the day, like Antrim team, we went down and you did your team meeting on a Saturday night to make sure everybody was there and didn't go wandering or out there then everybody had to be up for mass and you went to mass and you come home and you done your puck about in the car park and you went and done your warm up and Sean for one unknown reason didn't go to mass so and I was in the room and he slept in so I didn't go to mass either and this is a true story but I was only a child at the time and so we were called in the two boys and and we says uh, so nearly goes to Sean why are we not at mass he says I don't go to mass or whatever and I says well, I was lying. I didn't know. And he says, uh, you're not playing the day. You're playing the day. And don't you be teaching that young fella any bad habits. <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to room them again. And that's exactly how it was. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you, you hear stories about fellas making their debut, but to, but to be not at Mass and the fella who you were sharing the room with uh, not be getting his place because he wasn't at Mass. But I was given a bad boy, five ball, because I was only a kid at the time. Jeez, it's, a great, it's a great start. And you'd up and down years, I suppose, back then. Sambo, you went to Australia for a couple of years even and, and experienced a bit of life over there. Yeah, well, I went, uh, I've, uh, at the time I had two brothers over there, I've got one now, the, other, the oldest brother passed away, but no, I went over there and enjoyed the life and came back and uh, I was always hurling, bring me, Anthony, I was, I've been in New York and places around the world and hurling out there, but every time I got off a plane, I knew I was going home, like, I was never, I was never going to stay like a, a hurt for Brian Baruz, a hurt in Australia, a hurt in America, in Chicago, in New York, and fella done what everybody done. Like God rest Tony Kitty, he wasn't the only one running around America. Like <laughs> I, I can picture yourself and poor old Tony and Jerry Mack running around the states. <laughs> Yeah. We're hurling in Boston on Saturday and New York on Sunday. Yeah, I heard with uh, maybe a friend of yours, uh, Leo Quinlan. Ah, yeah. Yeah, 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 me and yeah. Leo hurt for Harry Bowlins in Chicago. Oh, the Bowlins, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The we lived together for a while out there. Oh, yeah, Leo, Leo would have played, won a Monster Minor medal in 81. Yeah. Yeah, Leo yeah. was gone and he, was, and he won a Hearty Cup and in yeah. Ireland Colleges with Flannans, I think, in 79. So, mm. oh, geez, Leo would have been there. Yeah, I know Leo well. I may, actually met him at a garage uh, a couple of months ago. He told me he was just retired from the teaching. I said, as well for yeah. some Leo. So, I have a great character, a great six-month bridge yeah. man, you know. But um, obviously things came together then, Sambo, maybe Jim Nelson obviously was a bit of a godfather of the whole thing. Uh, and I knew Jim long before that. Well, he used to come down, he was great. We had a great coach, John Henley, who's, they hosted um, coaching clinics. You spring Justin McCarthy and a few more. And Jim was also involved in that. They knew each other from Garmanstown back in the early 80s, I'd say late 70s even. So Jim had been down to Clarecastle a couple of times with John Henley and, and uh, we knew of him, you know, as young fellas growing up. Would you say, like, I, I just watched in a, an interview with Jim, you were having your reunion and how, like, he said it was maybe there was difficulties and maybe a few issues with the lads from the Glens and the lads from the city, uh, mingling and bonding. Yeah. Well, was that, was that, just to say, was that crucial to you coming together as the force? I mean, the names, you know, the names I remember, the Donnellys and Kieran Barr, Aidan McCarry, Yourself, the O'Kane's, Woody, um, you know, Ulkin, Jim Close. Jeez, they were household names when I was breaking onto the Clare team. Yeah, like that group of players all came about, and the majority of them would have played minor hurling in Leinster because Antrim didn't play in Ulster all through my time. Like, I have no Ulster minor medal, but I played in teams that. Played against Wexford, Kilkenny, and that there, and back in McLean, McLean was uh, the Nile Quinn team, you know, the Dublin team that won right. the thing. We played against them and all that there, and put Kilkenny out of the All Ireland, and 
there's belief, but Nelson was ahead of his time often in the fact that uh, there was always club rivalry around them, and there still is, you know, and it's healthy. That's what the G forms on. Yeah. You want to beat your neighbours, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's your birthright, like, and that's what you thrive on. And I'm a cushioned all man, and will be today. Put me six foot under, like, you know, and that there, and that's what makes the G. But there was always that rivalry. But Nelson kind of became like there was wee things he done. Like whenever you went to county training, you weren't allowed to do a drill with your clubmate. Wee things like that. You weren't allowed to wear your club jerseys. You know all them sort of things, and then. Then there was looking back on it now, you might laugh at this, but you know the say the drill three across the field, you know, the man in the middle. We would have used one ball before, then Nelson entered two balls, speed things up, but just them um, all them wee things and things that he'd done and then he would organise like when I started hurting uh, before Nelson, like you would go to a county match, you'd have to pay for your wife in or your girlfriend. You know, people were doing that. Like like if you talk to Neil McMahon as night, look at you if you had two horns. Like, yeah. No, no. When you were hurling there, and, and you had to be up, maybe the match was at three o'clock, say in case, and he'd want you there at twelve o'clock. And you know, before your wife would sit out in the car park with maybe the kids, or you know, back in the days, that's the way it was done, and you paid her in and things like that. And you took it for granted. But now that Nelson makes sure that your family got in for nothing and got them a cup of tea and made everything more professional, just brought that. We also. Brought in a guy, Michael O'Grady, you, you would know, oh, yeah. from Dublin. And he brought in... He'd have been uh, a Limerick man originally, Michael O'Grady, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was weak yeah. things professional. And then the backroom team, like we had a physio then when we wanted it. And there was a doctor and all these things come on board. You're getting a, a cup of tea after training in a Mars bar, even where before you wouldn't even get a shower. Like back in the day, you're out in the National League as you said before Christmas you were training and mucking gutters and you are putting shopping bags over your socks and emptying your bits over to, to try and keep your feet dry away from mucking out there things like that and just then we improved and just started got to believe like I would have told me two sons that I'd have gotten a bus on a Saturday morning to head off to Six Mile Bridge expecting to beat Clare you know and heading to Waterford like and and people up here might laugh at that, and your younger generation out there listening to this might believe it. But we we went to six mile bridge and places like that, expecting to get a result, you know. And we had that belief. And I know back in '89, like people say, the shock of the decade. Even Marty Morrison's first game, it was Marty says, "Is this the shock of the, the decade when we were beaten awfully?" But we'd beaten awfully twice that year already. Like it wasn't a shock to us. We went into Croke Park that day expecting to beat Offord. And Nelson, he was kind of a psychologist too in his own way. Like he would uh, push buttons on you and he would wind you up. You know, he, he knew the guys to hug and bum up and other guys to give a kick in the ass too, sort of thing and that there. And he was good. And he was just wee Belfast man and, and he never smoked, never drunk. And he wouldn't allow me to eat chips and not to put much salt. And even way back then, like he would yeah. kind of like, I had him all my life on it. Like, he was my minor manager back in the day. He was my under-21 manager and he was my senior manager. So it's hard for me to... I've had other county managers, but maybe only for a year here and a year there. But Nelson, Jim Nelson was constant in my hurling career. Constant because when I, I was 14 years of age playing minor and then I was under-21. I was I remember I was under-21 captain and I was a established senior hurler at the time. Put me out of the changing them because I played for the club the night before or the Wednesday night and the match was on Saturday playing the Ulster final you know and me captain uh, walking in all you know you think you're the yeah. big lad there's no way he's going to drop me he says get me your gear get up on the stand you know and down beat us by a point and you're sitting in the stand knowing that without being arrogant you were maybe worth a point or two if you had been on that field like, that was the man he was like, he, it didn't matter who you were and that Antrim team was full of Great characters, great, you know, there were, as I keep telling there was about 15 Roy Keynes running around, you yeah. know, um, and he had the smartness to, Kieran Barr was kind of different than the rest of us. Kieran was very well spoken, very well got, very educated and that there, and arguably there was maybe better hurlers than Kieran, but Kieran was the boy that spoke well, carried himself well, and was able to gel all these clubs together too. Like when Kieran spoke, we all kind of 
with great respect for Kieran and that part like them. You know, we'd be playing club games where maybe there was malaise at them and things like that, us and Ballet Castle, us and that deal, you know, and you come out the change room. All them all them wee things added up, but you know, but they were we were just I was blessed to play with some of the players that played with like and I was lucky, you know. Ah look, there's no doubt about it then. And not long did you beat him, but you beat him well like he you beat him nine yeah. points. Um the hype going into the finals and ball, I I was at the final. The Clare Miners, as I said, with Daly, yeah. were in the final as well. So, but I'd have gone anyway if I could have got a ticket for the All Ireland. But I, I was up on the hill with all the Antrim fans, and like it was just magical up there. Like, and and the chant of the day, what I remember was, and of course, Nicky went on to have a fantastic game. But got yeah. no got no English on our team. Do da do da. It was just mad. So we were chiming in, good old, like you know, and. Um, not, yeah. no, no disrespect to Nicky, obviously. Uh, we, we, we loved him as a player, but, uh, you know, we, we, if it could have been Antrim or Tip, we'd have been siding for ye. But was there massive hype? Like, I, I've read about it and, and listened to a few things. That, but, you know, the, like, it was the first time in a long time since an Antrim team were in a final 46, seven years, something like that. Which was a, was yeah. it massive? Was it hard to keep grounded? Uh, to be honest, Anthony, looking back on it, the experience you've gained now later on in the years with the manager not there, like, like, before like awfully clapped us off the field, give us a guard of honour. Yeah, I've never seen it before after like and just they have a soft spot for also for doing that. Like and um, before we get into the change room, people were saying it'll be great just to play in an all Ireland final. You know, you were given a jacket and trousers and shoes and suits and, and things like this and you'd reporters coming and phoning you up and T V cameras and Ah, we forgot about the match. Like we were carried away because because we had nobody to keep us grounded. Because in nineteen forty three, the last Antrim team well, that was during the war. So any of the old lads from the area that you talked to, they were, they had to go two weeks before the All Ireland final, and they had to live. And the Belfast fellas went to work, and the only thing they had to eat was boiled eggs and brown bread for the two weeks. And they trained every night, and then they ran. They were telling the training, they were doing 15 laps around the field or something. The time they got to the All Ireland final, they, had, they couldn't move. Like. So we had nobody to keep us grounded. And then it was hard, like the bicep was coming and you're shaking hands with a bicep and politicians and, and all that sort of thing. And it's, ugh, we were lambs to slaughter. And even in the lack of experience, evening, but in 91, we rattled Kilkenny. If we had got an All Ireland final that year, it would have been a different animal because, because if you look at the results before that and after that All Ireland final, if you took out the Offaly team of '86, Pat Carl's good team and that there, they give us a bit of a trouble. But then in '87, we had Kilkenny beating Dundalk. Harry Ryan scores two goals in the end. '88, uh, I remember that that temporary team only beat us by five points. That was Declan Ryan coming on the scene and all them Bobby and. Nicky, obviously, in that group. And then, 89, we made the breakthrough. And then, 91, I went on a wee holiday for... Uh, I got suspended. So, I sat in the thing with the court team. But, 91, we were kind of back together. And there were a lot of teams there. We had Kenny rattled in that A um, couple of mistakes, goalkeeper, a couple of things like that. But, if we had a got... 91 was our best performance. I always felt with Pro Park. Like Kilkenny, if we had got the All Ireland final that time, then we would have been a different animal. Like what I what I took from looking back in it, someone just you know you. It's only these last few weeks when we're seeing all the older games. Yeah, you, I'm even remembering stuff the matches I played in that I didn't remember at all. Like you know, but um, just watching that '91 one. I mean, I know the '89 one. Like you have to remember as well. While you'd all the hype, did all the failure of '87 and '88. Like, you know, and they were really primed, I, I would have felt. But like the 91 game for me, like there were 61,000 people there. Obviously, Tip and Galway had huge rivalry as well. But Jesus, the way he hurled that match, like I didn't see it. Didn't, I got a highlights piece, it was about 35 minutes. Jeez, you got four points in play, kid. You got, you got an all star as well. But like yeah. you leveled it with a minute to go, and you had been four up with 10 to go, and the goal was soft. I think yeah. Pat, Pat parried it a shot from Christy Heffern, and he probably. He might have even caught it, but he, if he parried it, he should have parried it out for a 65 even. You yeah. know, um, but, like, she's Eamon Morrissey just tortured you on the day, top of yeah. the right, as he could at the time. Like, Jesus, Morrissey was 
was some kind of yeah. But to me, like that level of hurling you were playing that day was just that was when that team really was peaking. Like, yeah. Well, the old thing that bugs me with that game you mentioned, I leveled it as you say. But I, if you watch the, the clip, I, I run by. I'm running by the referee, and I says a long left, and the ref done that there, put his arms out like that, and says it's over, Sambo. They played on for another three minutes. You know, not there, but, uh, but these things happen. But we made mistakes. But you know yourself, the problem with Ulster hurting is, like, <clears throat> if you're born in Clare Castle, within an hour's drive, you're going to be playing the top club teams or the top county teams in Ireland. Yeah. For us to play Clare challenge match or any team in Clare without there, it's an overnight stay. It's going to cost the club or the county at least five grand. So, like, and our closest neighbours were awfully. You know that, that that were the level above us. Yeah. Like, like we could go and play Derry or Downsey or anybody in Ulster, but they're at the same level of us. They weren't better than us. We had to be playing teams that were above us to bring us up to that level. And we just um, the expensive. You couldn't like you know, and that's why looking back, that minor team that Woody and me had that came so close and that there, we were allowed to go over. Like we played twelve challenges matches, and Liam Sheedy was over there minor team at the time and he he was good to us and giving us them matches because because at the end of the day we had a reputation on him and, and it's right like if I phone Anthony Daly up and Anthony's preparing the Clare team for monster fame I guess Tip, he doesn't want to be playing Anthony let's be honest he wants to be if he's going to have a challenge match he wants to there's, there's no point and there lies the problem like, we need to be uh, find some way to get m- more opposition at a higher level on a more regular basis and that's, that's the only way because you know yourself, I mean, you've been up here. There's as much love for the game of hurling up here as there is in any corner of Ireland. You know, and, like, and you can teach the skills. We know how to pick a ball. We know how to strike a ball. And all the, all the basic skills are there. It's just uh, that level of cuteness. And even that day in 91, the naivety, the wee bit of cuteness. You know, Morrissey maybe shouldn't have been allowed to run away. And Anthony Daly wouldn't have allowed. He'd have been... He would have had the experience, even in 89, Nicky was allowed, like, the balls that was going into Nicky, you know, should yeah. have been cut out, out the field. Like, that was the problem. Like, everybody, Liam's James or Gary for Mark and Nicky, like, Nicky was arguably the best sport in Ireland at that time, him and himself and DJ and Cooney maybe, but the, the problem was out the field, the ball he was getting. Like, like if you had a, two Anthony Dillies and Nicky was getting that ball, it'd have been flat out marking him. I, I experienced it in, in the 93 Monster Final when they were, we were getting riddled. I was full back. Now, I was getting riddled as well and not making excuses, but uh, Jesus, there was a lot of it coming in and often, you know. But look, it was like, I know you'd love to cap it with a, with a, a medal, and a medal, obviously, Clover County, but like for, for, for an Antrim team, let's say, to picked up five All-Stars, like, you yeah. know what I mean? That's, that's, that's fairly far off at the minute would say to contemplate that and I know we different systems now you know yeah. and, and you're, you're in Joe McDonough Ireland but it was it was a golden era without a doubt I don't feel a failure because I haven't won an All-Ireland like, I know there's I know there's guys with Poppinfuls All-Ireland who weren't as good a hurler as me say and I also know there's better hurlers that never won an All-Star than me you know like, so you just can't put the like my success is I played the game I loved for as long as I had, and I played at a very high level. I was lucky to play at that high level, not there. Like, and I played against some of the best people that ever graced a hurling field, and, that, and that's that's success. Like, you know, I don't I don't go to bed and I think, and uh, my my hurling career was a disaster because I didn't want an all Ireland. Like, to be like, there's thousands of us out there that never won an all Ireland. I had no notion that I was going to win one either. You know what I mean? Like that's and I I wanted to just play for Clare and be the best I could be and. We were lucky, I suppose, it came good for us, you know. I, ha- I have to ask you, Sam, because it was, obviously you made your debut in 81 and it's a, it's a year that's bittersweet for all Irish people, I suppose, you know, and all nationalists. But, like, was, was there issues, like, coming from Cushendall, would say, would you mostly train in Belfast under Jim? Or would you, like, the whole security issue, and I go back to my, my, my league debut Ish going up to down and, and the young lad coming on with the rifle onto the bus or the machine gun or whatever it was. I didn't want to look at him. But was there issues with getting in and out to train and, and, and having hurries and all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. This is something I've never really spoke about too much because 
I've been in your company and James's and Cassidy's not there and there's always some guy will come up and say something and you don't want to come across as like you get the guy will romanticize it. You know, the guy that things sitting out there that are probably out of order and out there. Like, the one thing that I'll say, like even this morning on the radio, the headline up here in the local radio this morning is the local DUP councillor said, I've no right to be Irish. You know, like Anthony Dilly's is Irish was never questioned. Mine was questioned every day I went to Hard because because there's nothing more Irish than playing the game of Hard. And they didn't like that. And when you say stop with the British Army, we would always been preferred to be stopped with the British Army than the UDR, because UDR were local. And like, the first night I went out, to, I went out with my wife. Now, like, there's four sticks to go to the bit of my car and broke in front of me. Like, every time you went to train, you had to leave early because you were going to be stopped, held up for an hour. And you, like, you couldn't have went to the local big town to do your shopping or buy your CD or whatever because you couldn't wear a GA jersey. You just couldn't. But thankfully, all that's changed. But to all the young listeners out there, down south, that maybe be listening to this and out there, the difference was, like, and I'm not romanticising anything out there or being drunk. It was just a fact of life. You weren't allowed to be seen to be doing anything to do with Ireland. Like we were like, I'm, out. I'm, as, I'm as Irish as Anthony Daly. And I believe that. And, and I can't help that. Like, the proudest day for any hurler than that to stand for soldiers saw in all Ireland and I'm privileged to have done that but but the, I remember I was presenting medals one night and I've told this story the, the worst time for me I was presenting medals in Noma and you drive over the mountain it's just over a wee single road into Cookstown to go way down it's maybe three hours drive from here and I they stood me at the side of the road one night on my own for three hours like from about a quarter to one to about a quarter to four in the morning, nobody can near me, and your mind starts playing games with it. You're always stopped, and you're always hassled, like, you know, and, like, my older brothers, like, once they see the address cushioned all, you knew you were in for a hassle, you know, shows your driving license, ah, oh, cushioned all, out, everybody out, you know, standing on the side of the road in the pissing rain, and you would empty your boot and throw your gear, and your gear would be soaking, you'd be going to training, and It'd be wet because they pulled out the bags and laid along the road, and then you had to pick it up and things like that. But this is me in the glens of Antrim, and we have got away scot free, scot free. Like people in Belfast and South Derry and across the glen, and people had had a million times worse than anybody else in the glens. But as soon as we went out of the glens, even when I was going to work, you know, you had a, you, you weren't allowed to go to work the same route every morning. You had to vary your routes and that there because the GA at the time was we were classed as legitimate targets. And yet DUP councillors going on live on TV making statements that the GAs IRA are playing the sport wing of the pros, which is absolutely bullshit. Like, you know, my only, our only passion was we loved her. And that was what we were guilty of. And like, I classed myself as Aries and, and, and I can't help that. I, you know, like, Thankfully, the generation growing up now have no idea. Like them, I remember Jim Nelson having men protecting us while we trained. You know, if we were training on a pitch, there were people outside it just in case. You know, because there were people walking into bars back then and opening up. You know, the thing, and 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 that's the way it was. And you were weary coming home from like if we were coming home from Six Mile Bridge or something that night, you were always happy as soon as you hit the border an Antrim team on a bus or an Antrim team in cars, you know, you had four fellas coming maybe back then, the National League during the one at 11 o'clock at night, crossing the roads. Like it, it was, and the problem was, it was okay for us once we got inside the glens and out there, but you'd only maybe, the UDR was about, I was out there, but you no, know, the Belfast people and people that got there had it a million times worse than us, but you're always weary, you're always streetwise. Like walking about with an Antrim bag, or Antrim passed over, it was a no-no. You know, even yeah. even as a minor, like the local priest would have gathered up your hurls, and you'd have been dropped off in Ballymena, but you weren't allowed to carry your hurls when the bus was picking you up. Because that, like Anthony Daly walks down the street in Clare Castle, he's a hurler. Sal McNaughton walks down the street in Ballymena with a hurl. He's a Republican. He votes for Sinn Féin. He's all sort. It says a whole lot more about you if you understand what I mean. And that was a problem, and then you, you, you people that just didn't get it not there. But that, and 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 I don't want to come across as the Nordy, you know, calling that. Uh, that's not what it's about. 
we didn't like, and I, I had very little, like, like, you know the Glens of Antwerp, the Glens of Antwerp would stand up anywhere as the most beautiful part of Ireland, and that includes Clare and Kerry and that, it is outstanding beauty, like, and we are passionate, but we don't play football, we don't play soccer, we don't play rugby, we just argue and fight over hurling and that there, but the beauty of it, and, and you're proud from there, and you're proud of it, how can I not say I'm proud of the areas, like, but, but once you've your government and your people question it, they didn't want you to be Irish, didn't want you to do anything to do Ireland. And there lay the problem, like and and there lay the problem. And even to this day, like headline radio of the day is they don't want us to be Irish. Like, and we have to be we can't be anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that explains it. I know it's fascinating. It's fascinating, terror because you know, I wrote in my article last Monday about various trips we had over the years, and we had a great one in 96 up to open, I think, the dressing rooms for SARS, Sarsfields in the city. Yeah. And uh, Jesus, we had two great nights. They flew us up as well, like, freaking hell, just magic. But one of my abiding memories of that, and I didn't write about it because I was writing all about the crack and drinking pints with the breakfast on the Saturday morning, and it was great fun. The match was taken serious, but um, Jack Bootman was the president at the time, and they had a massive marquee set up outside for the teams and supporters. Yeah, was Yeah, Brilliant night, like I, I remember um, drinking my mushy for half the night and uh, my club mate Danny Scanlon went, went up and sang Joe McDonald afterwards in the clubhouse and what cracking stories. But I remember when Jack Bootman got up to talk, the, the British Army helicopter came down over the, the marquee and no one in the marquee could hear a word that Jack said. Yeah. And, and as soon as Jack put down the microphone, because I had to go up and talk for Claire because Mike Mack wouldn't, look, man wasn't there. But Mike Mack wouldn't go up and talk. He says, Dale, you go up and talk. And I full of pints at this stage. The, the helicopter was gone by the time I went up, you know. So I just said, I said, Mushy, like, what's that all about? And I'm back to the table. And that's what we're up against here, Dale. Oh, he says to me, he says, they knew the president was coming up. You know, and he, Jack was a Protestant. God be good to him. And, and no, yeah. just, just intimidation, uh, like. And, uh, no, it was never about Protestants running out there. Like, uh, one of the freak, I'll tell you, Freak story. Like I had to go to America. I, I got sent a bullet with my name engraved on it. That there, and there was letters left for me, and you know, you know, next time your name would be in the paper, been the death, all that sort of thing. And you from a UDA. And my premise, I was working for them Mondays at the time, and the guy went on to do a life sentence and out there. But like, um, I was warned I had to get out because I was a legitimate target one time, and I was not. That wasn't a Thursday or something. I was playing in, New- in Chicago on a Sunday. You know, it was just life. But like they say, like we were blessed to live in the Glens. We very little off it. No scars and an odd thing here and there. But once you worked in Belfast, you were in and out all the time. And it was just different, different. And thankfully, it's changed a hundred percent now. Like, okay, yeah, it's it's amazing. But we could say talking for the day with stories and. Larry will be trying to cut us off on Zoom shortly there from home. But, Samba, I'm going to bring it far. Obviously, we, we, we stood beside each other on the sideline the first year. Antrim came into Leinster and, and you gave us bags of it and then beat us the following year in, in 10. Um, but, look, at the, and that was obviously a very good team as well. Jesus, Watson, Watson nearly fucking beat uh, yeah. Cork on his own in the quarterfinal afterwards. Um, so, it was, it was a good team. It was a really strong team. But, on to now, Sam. I think, you know, from knowing Neil and talking to Neil, he'd have great hope maybe that, that there would be a Joe McDonough title there now. Of course, the years after being turned into fucking turmoil for us. But that Darren is doing a good job and he, he's popular and, and uh, but he knows what it takes as well. And, and how, do you, how do you see things standing at the moment? I know there's issues with Belfast, you know, not contributing like they used to. I don't think there's been a... T- I think Donovan Ross had won it in 04 today and that's, there hasn't been a, a city title since then. You're right in saying that? Yeah. Well, obviously, I think Ross has only wanted to want it in the past 30 plus years or something, or maybe longer, 40 maybe. And not there, but uh, Darren is doing a good job. Darren's been there. He came in, uh, myself, and we get Sheedy up to give us a hand, you know, to bring that profile to try and get every player out and all that there. And yeah, I, I'm a massive fan of the Joe McDonough. I think it's a great competition. Every team's equal and like um, Westmeath are showing, you know, that they're they're starting to come at least two and and that there are some outstanding hurlers not there, but 
there is good work going on in Belfast, but it might be a year or two. But the problem with Belfast, I think we need casement. I think that's that's the thing is that though we need a home. Uh, the Belfast thing, I hope it comes. Like I, I know people in Belfast that live 500 yards from casement. Anthony, they've never seen a hurling match. It, it needs that uh, where the where us and Cushion Dolls up the Loy, Valley Casting out there, where cultures, you know, like where weak parochialism. Belfast lacking a bit of like most inner cities, that parochialism, that pride in the parish and not there and not there. But St John's are rattling things now. There seems to be saints coming. But I think Darren's doing a fantastic job. Absolutely good. I think there's good players coming. This this year's Anthem team that I've seen to date now has been the best I've seen in a while. Nearly every player that you want there to start with, which is a big plus. But uh, I want to see Meath, uh, Anthem against Meath and beat them handy. But then Meath got two guys sent off Anthony for absolutely nothing. And there's no point going into that. Like, like you wouldn't have been allowed off the bus if it had been Ireland now. But I have hope for Anthem. I've always hoped for Anthem because I love there and the Pisons there. And, like, and I think, you know, I think Anthem for just good hurlers. I think always has done. I don't think it's going to change. I think uh, we are producing good hurlers like Neil McManus, Aaron Graff, and Owen Campbell, boys out of my own club, the Burks. You know, like, like obviously because I'm a cushion doll man, you go to watch them play and you've got loyalty through your own and that there. And, you know, you feel proud. Like, they carry themselves well in the good Anthem men. You know, the Liam Watsons just world and down through the years, you know, he felt maybe kind of a bit more dedicated down through the years. There's always been the, them ones and that there. But, you know, we, we have so much standing hurlers at the minute, but it's just getting that getting that next level. Is that more competitive? That up to the pace of the game? That you know yourself, I like you can do the five Ks all you want and do all that there. There's nothing. It's just getting that match practice at that next level on a regular basis and getting a wee bit cuter and things like that. That maybe I think like like Belfast is the second city of Ireland. I think it's a sleeping giant if it would only wake and not there. Like the kids is up there and they love. Like I went up there for the first time I coached outside my own club ever last year to St. Endes and out there. And the love for hurling up there would match Cushion Dollar anywhere else. Or, and then they love it. Like, and as when you've that love for something, there's always hope. Honestly. There's always hope. That's for sure. That's for sure. And Sambo, uh, I just want to book uh, two of those. Uh, New rooms in the Lurie <laughs> Bar for later on the year, but I need yeah. the bar to be open and social distancing to be to be relaxed because uh, I'm I'm heading up in the fall of this year for sure, um, yeah. and we might no. even do, I might even do a session with the Rory Oaks if McManus will let me in. No, just, just, before, just good stuff, good stuff, and I'd love it. I'd love it as well. I'm involved with nobody this year. I was involved in our under twenty ones, and I'd say we're gone so far down the the food chain now in terms of a competition. If we if we get anything back, but. Well, I was just saying to the wife our night since 1981, basically. I've been or involved with a team every year since. And this is the longest I've gone without, you know, ever. Like, this is... No, you're more than welcome up the lens and so is anybody else. Like, we love our hurling up here, but... Uh, finally, are you getting any few quid back from Broadway yet? <laughs> no, Broadway... <laughs> Obviously, Shane... Broadway's a Shane, t- Sambo Sean Shane has gone off acting... Well, successfully, I believe it's it's getting better and better. I believe for him. Yeah, well, he's working at the high. He came home to see his mum. His mum was in hospital there for a while. He came home and he was caught here, so he's here. But we've organised this thing there. He organised this thing. We've all learned Sunday we call it. We play the match. We we started off for up last Sunday. We watched the two thousand and six one. So you have to get points to get a ticket for the game on a Sunday. It starts a quarter to four. You have to be in at half time to see the minor game. So. Shane organises this thing now. You get points to get a ticket. If you watch the van or you watch the car, you do the Hoover, you get a point. You have to earn your points to be allowed into the living room to get a ticket. So we've been, as a family, we've been watching an All-Ireland at a quarter to four every Sunday for the past six weeks. So the crack's good there. So. I'm glad, I, I'm glad uh, I don't have anyone as creative in this house. I hope the girls don't <laughs> listen to this now. They'll be giving out to me. But... Uh, Sure. Sambo, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'd just like to thank you for your time. I know we all have a bit of time at the moment, but at the same time, we, we've had a great uh, ch- in-depth chat as well, and it's been it's been fascinating for me, for Larry, and I know our listeners will, will absolutely love it on the Irish Examiner. Uh, 
sportscast and uh, look stay safe and uh, I'll keep that date with you for the for the autumn okay no problem Anthony it's a pleasure talking to you as always and we'll get meet up in Cassidy's maybe for a pint sometime Cassidy's of a Sunday night is always a good one <laughs> yeah no great worries stuff. great stuff great stuff Sambo great to talk great to talk Thanks again for joining us on the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. And don't forget, you can read the full Irish Examiner and every supplement just as they are printed. Anytime, anywhere, on your phone, your PC or your tablet using our e-paper. Just visit irishexaminer.com forward slash e-paper for all the details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.